0: Hello and welcome back to Out of Curiosity. This is our podcast where we are seeking biblical clarity on modern questions. I'm Nick, and uh, we are joined here with Mark Schatzman. Hey, Mark. Nick, how are you? I'm doing very well, thanks. Mark is a teaching pastor at Fellowship Bible Church and uh, part of our senior leadership team, and so which is someone we seek wisdom from quite often. And so uh, on, on today's issue, I thought we'd bring Mark in and let him uh, share a little bit of biblical perspective on how to think about the issue of immigration. And so this is a, an issue that has been debated at a public level for years now. Um, it's, it's gone past the status of kind of the latest trendy debate into something our nation regularly is discussing. Um, and, and really what I've observed is among the church, I see quite a bit of division on this. I see people landing on both sides of the aisle, the traditional left-right aisles, both kind of claiming to have Jesus and the Bible on their side. And so, Mark, I would love you just to kind of guide us through a little bit. How do we think biblically about the discussion of immigration?
1: Wow, two, two thoughts up front. Number one, I wonder why it is I'm sitting across a desk and a microphone with you on this topic because I am the same as anybody else. I, I am as confused on what to do with a lingering, thorny problem in our country just as a, uh, even the politics of in immigration itself. Um, I mean, in no way uh, any more than just one voice on this, no, no way even an expert. Uh, secondly, I'd also say, I think that's why I like these out of curiosity podcasts. I think you and Garland have done a great job helping us frame how to think rather than just telling us what to think. And Nick, I I think particularly on things like immigration, but a whole bunch of the other issues you've addressed, we've done a really good job, um, particularly through social media channels, telling people what they should think and, um, and not helping equip people with how to think about issues. And so I appreciate the approach on this. And so why don't we try to do the same thing and stay away from the what to think yeah. and try to frame a little bit of the, the how to think about the issue.
0: I like that. So that sounds like a good way forward. What are some of those principles that need to be in play when we're, when we're learning how to think about this issue?
1: Well, let's go ahead and acknowledge this way. First off, as a follower of Jesus, um, that means that I am now a citizen of two kingdoms. I have an earthly kingdom. I am a citizen of the United States of America, so I'm an American. But at the same time, I'm also a citizen of the kingdom of God. I've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness, Colossians says, and into the kingdom of the sun. And so now all of a sudden, Jesus becomes the leader of my life, and I have to look to him to be the overriding authority. And yet that same Jesus writes the inspired word of God in Romans and tells me to follow my governing authorities. And so now I'm a man who walks with two feet planted in two different worlds. And sometimes those can feel like they're drifting apart and Mm -hmm. it's tearing me in the middle. So the tension every one of us feels as a follower of Christ is normal when navigating how to live out my citizenship as an American and my citizenship as a member of the kingdom at the same time. And so I think, first of all, I start to think now, as a citizen of the United States, we need to realize, like any nation, that our nation has the right to, to declare sovereignty over its borders, Right, that these borders aren't fluid. They don't just to get to expand down into uh, south or up north where we want, but we don't even have to go towards what that meant towards colonial America. Right. We can leave that alone. Yep. But we would say there's a fixed border that is uh, that fixes the sovereignty of the United States, and so it's okay, and not only okay, but good and right, for our country to establish laws of what it looks like to secure those borders.
0: Just like we would, in personal property, have as a neighbor, like my lot ends where my neighbor's begins, exactly, and I respect that. I don't, I don't go into my neighbor's yard and start doing things. Um, I, I understand that's part of being a good neighbor, as I respect those. Those boundaries. And, you know, as you're talking about the, the two kingdoms concept, um, what's really helpful to me about that is it seems like the general message of the New Testament is being a good citizen of the kingdom of God should bless whatever earthly kingdom we're part of. Exactly. If I, but that doesn't mean those kingdoms are the same thing. Good point. And so I can, I can, if I'm, if I'm living the Sermon on the Mount out well, and I think this is a lot of what Acts is trying to show us, is that the citizens of the kingdom of God are actually a blessing to their community, and it stops short of saying the kingdom of the United States is the kingdom of God.
1: Exactly. They're not the same. I walk in two kingdoms, and knowing that I follow Jesus as my King means that the kinds of things He says actually matter to me enough that his commands become my, mar- my marching orders. Yep. So when he gives the greatest command, which is to love others as we would love ourselves, love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as we would love ourselves, all of a sudden now I have to ask the question, how do I love my neighbor mm. as I would love myself? And that even applies to how do I do that even in the immigration issue?
0: Okay, so when you think about, thinking about loving your neighbor, um, this, I mean, it's, it's the, the part of the greatest commandment, love God with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself. How does, how do the scriptures, do the scriptures address specifically this issue of foreigners and new people moving among lands? Do we, do we have a biblical account of those kinds of things?
1: I think so. And I think we can begin to ask ourselves, what's on the heart of God as it relates to the refugee or the immigrant? Mm-hmm. And if it's close to the heart of God, and we're followers of God, it therefore should become close to our heart as well. And I think about a couple of passages in particular, uh, written to the nation of Israel. By the way, this is important because the nation of Israel was a nation in a fixed land that God provided laws that helped protect that land from her enemies. But at the same time, not or, but and. I think we get in either or debates too often. Right, It's a both and. So protection and Leviticus 19.33, God commands Israel to treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. Wow. That's radical.
0: That really is. I mean, because everything, when I think of Israel in the Old Testament, the first thing that comes to mind is this be different, be different from the other nations, be different from the other nations. And then you have in the middle of this, and when the nations are among you, treat them like they're part of you.
1: Exactly. And then God begins to tell us why. Okay. In Deuteronomy ten eighteen and 19, it tells us, the Lord defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow. Most of us buy that. We, right. we hold there. But he goes further and says, and loves the foreigners residing among you, giving them food and clothing. So you are to love those who are foreigners because you yourselves were once foreigners in Egypt. Mm. And all of a sudden, now we have a dual uh, motive of the heart of God. First of all, he's saying, I want you to love them because I love them. Mm -hmm. And I want you to love them because you were once them. Mm. And now all of a sudden, you get compassion that develops because number one, you see the compassionate heart of God our Father. And number two, we develop compassion because we know what it's like to be lost and to hurt like them. I
0: mean, it, that, that idea of, of seeking some level of compassion and empathy for the foreigner, I think, is so crucial. I mean, I, I have very few of these experiences, but, but I can remember some times that I've been doing international travel. And we're talking like I was gone for two weeks. I wasn't trying to start a new life. But I remember getting off a plane and the simple task of I have to get from the airport to my hotel – and I see some people driving cars, and I don't speak the same language as any of them, and I'm not even sure how the money works. And I have to have the courage to go try to have a conversation, and I'm completely at the mercy of these people to help me get to my hotel. That's a terrifying feeling. Yeah, it is. It's really vulnerable. And so I think I think that's a really helpful thing when we get that, that, that phrase that you read in Deuteronomy, because you were once right. foreigners. I think it's so important for us to try to remember situations where we have been the outsider yeah, and we've been dependent on the the graciousness of others to help us get through the day.
1: Yeah. So I, that's a great point because when we start to try to walk a mile in someone else's shoes, it allows us to ask the question, how would we want to be loved if I was them? Yes. And, uh, and the answer is I'd want to be treated neighborly. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because it's so, I mean, I, my fear, when I've been in those situations where I was the outsider, my immediate thought was I'm vulnerable. I wonder if I'm about to get taken advantage of. Yeah. And that was my default mode was, was fear. And that, that was immediately where that, that put me in those moments. Yeah.
1: And we might go there a little bit on that fear because fear leads us to the sense of protection. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's maybe at the heart of some of what's here on our immigration, um, tension yeah. that we feel is there's this sense of we've got to protect something in our nation. And so sure. uh, that fear moves us to self, a place of self-protection. I, I do think it's important, Nick, we've already said it, that the commands to Israel are not the same as the commands to the United States of America. The United right. States of America is not historic Israel. Right. However, it's clear both in Old Testament and New Testament that God says to his people, I've blessed you so that you can be a blessing. Mm -hmm. So not just so you can hold on to blessing, but so that you can be a funnel or a pipeline of blessing to others around. And clearly God wants to bless the refugee and the immigrant among us. And again, politics aside, because I I don't want to walk that walk to decide exactly where we should draw that line. It does cause us to say, at least my heart motive needs to be one of more compassion uh, towards the immigrant among us.
0: That's good. That's good. So what, when you start thinking through um, kind of what does what that heart compassion look like for the church, um, regardless of the politics of immigration policy, um, what, are, what is some guidance that we get from Scripture on, on how, to, how that works out?
1: I think we have to be careful and be aware of fear. Mm-hmm. Fear leads to self-protection. That's normal. And let's be honest, these times become most tense for us when we have uh, another tragic terrorist uh, uh, episode happening. And uh, it has been a little while, but it has not been that long. I remember right after both Paris and San Bernardino happened back-to-back, seemed like they were back-to-back, they were within a matter of months, the fear meter was going Mm -hmm. off in our country. And we have to realize that reacting in fear turns our focus inward. And mm-hmm. when we turn our focus inward, we are now violating the very great commandment that God gave us, which is to love him, mm-hmm. and then to love others as ourselves. And one of the ways we love him and love others is by embracing the other great he gave us, which is the Great Commission. Yep, He told us to go make disciples of all nations. Yep. So all, and by the way, nations means people groups. Right. All, all peoples are gonna uh, be taught how to be followers of Jesus. And that happens when we go. Mm. But when immigration happens and globalization happens, uh, God is bringing the nations to us, and he gives us an opportunity to make disciples of all people groups without even walking on the dangerous forest soil. It just means opening up our eyes and hearts to those around us.
0: And I think, you know, I'm glad you brought up fear, because I know in, in everyday conversations, another big area of fear is economic fear. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are scared when they lose their jobs. And so I think any time, another thing that understandably leads to some of that protect is when, when jobs are outsourced overseas, when, you know, and that's another just very real life thing that people are dealing with in globalization is we would be naive to deny that globalization affects people's jobs and, and affects people's income on daily basis. And so that leads to more of that kind of fear response that I think is understandable.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, And and
0: yet fear is not a good leader.
1: Right. And globalization is here to stay. This is not going, it's not going backwards. And so now we have to ask, what does it look like in an age of globalization and immigration? Some of that immigration is refugee immigration. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of that uh, immigration is economic immigration. In the town I live in, in Bentonville, most of the foreigners among us, to quote the Deuteronomy phrase, uh, are here for as economic immigrants doing work that they've been brought in to do because they have a skill set that uh, large employers need. And now I need to see them not just as different among me, mm-hmm. but as an opportunity to fulfill the great commandment and great commission. Yeah.
0: So to kind of to summarize, we think about how to think um, about immigration, a couple of thoughts I've heard, kind of biblical principles I've heard you put on the table. Um, one is that... a State has the right to define borders and to define policy, and we we are to honor those state rights to do that. And as the people of God, we also have a command to love the foreigner among us. And we have a great commission to make disciples among all nations and not to live in fear. And so right away, what I'm seeing is a lot of tension.
1: A ton of tension. Okay. Can we throw one more piece of tension into the mix? Please. Because now we're not just citizens of a government, uh, and that government has the right to make, uh, laws that create borders. We are citizens of a democratic mm. government yeah. where we are allowed, we're not ancient Rome where you didn't get a chance to act, exercise your voice before Caesar. We are a play of people that are given a voice and given mm-hmm. a vote. And so in other words, our opinion is allowed to be voiced. And now we have to then walk the tension of how do I voice my opinion in a way that provides good, responsible, reasonable, uh, sovereign rights to a nation. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, bow the knee and bow the heart to a sovereign God who supersedes that, who says that His great commission and great commandment matter a lot.
0: So would you go ahead and tell us how to do that? I can't, I don't
1: (laughs) even know. And I wrestle with it constantly because here's what I have decided. Uh, when, Someone who's an immigrant or even a refugee is already among us. Mm-hmm. Now I already know how to act, yes, love them yeah. so now all of a sudden it's not theory. What are we going to do about future economic and immigration policy? Now, theory gets yeah, theory goes out the window when when a when a new neighbor is here right and their accent is different, their skin color is different, and they're assimilating into our culture, and now their son is playing basketball with your son. Uh, Do you only sit by the same group of parents you sit next to on the bleachers, or do you turn around and start to invite them into your group, or even better yet, move over and sit with them and begin to just build friendship? So let's at least at one point stop talking about it like it's just economic and immigration theory and say, who are the ones among us now?
0: And I think you know something that we might be tempted to do is analyze whether or not their choice to move here was right or wrong in the first place and let that determine whether we love them well good and uh you know i'm just reminded of the decision christ made christ said while we were his enemies christ loved us hmm. and died for us and so i don't it seems to me that we we are not people who are called to assess the decisions someone else has made before we decide whether we're going to love them. That doesn't seem like we are called to love, regardless of whether or not the past decisions people have made have been good or right or whatever. Love is still the call of every believer, no matter what.
1: Right. And in some situations, and for some listeners even of the Out of Curiosity podcast who are living in communities where there's a large refugee community. Mm -hmm. So for example, my brother and sister-in-law in in Oklahoma city, a large North African refugee, uh, community in Oklahoma city. Now they have a chance to even be more strategic than just my example of the Indian neighbor next to me on the basketball team. But now it's a sense of you have an enclave of people who are here trying to survive. Mm -hmm. Do we help them survive and thrive as a local church? Or do we continue to see them as a group of thems and we are a group of us's and we keep the divide there? Mm. Um, I I think it's up to the body of Christ to begin to say, no, we're a go and make disciple kind of people.
0: Mm -hmm. What, What I think I can imagine some people hearing this and they're going, you haven't solved the problem for us. I know. And what, you know, what good is it to have these biblical principles on the table if you don't get there? But I think here's the thing that I think is, is really helpful even if, and I expect at the end of the day, Christians are still going to disagree on immigration policy. Mm-hmm. And and they should because they're not easy black and white issues. But what, what I hope, we talked about this a long, uh, several episodes back on talking about forming political policy as a believer, what I would hope would happen is if, as believers, we share our commitment to loving the foreigner and to honoring a, a nation's right to have borders and all that stuff, if we honor those principles... Then hopefully our, our heart posture in talking about policy will be, hey, we are actually after the same thing. Yeah. We're just disagreeing on the best practical way to do it. And suddenly it's not we're not demonizing people on the other side of the aisle. Um, we're recognizing, hey, we are we we're trying to go after a solution here, and even if we disagree on the best solution, we can agree on what Jesus has commanded us to do while we debate policy and, and the best way to go about that.
1: Yeah, I think you're describing that beautiful art of finding common ground and it Mm -hmm. is a lost art in our culture. We live in a culture of echo chambers where I hang around with people who talk like me and think like me and others who are different than me do the same with their group. And yet the reality is we are called to be both conservative and liberal. Aren't we as followers of Jesus? I'm to be liberal with the love and generosity, the blessing he's poured into my life. I am to be liberal with blessing others with it. And I'm called to conserve things that are worth conserving and holding on to and and uh and protecting. And so somehow we have to take that hard approach and move to some kind of common ground.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that is a a good uh a good maybe place to wrap up is we are called to love all of our neighbors, our neighbors who are from another nation and our neighbors from another political orientation. Hmm. That we we would have love and compassion, learn to listen well um, to the concerns and the fears and uh, and the place that those people are coming from.
1: Well, and I look forward to part two of this podcast when you invite somebody on who will help solve the issue. Exactly what does this mean, and where should we stand?
0: I'm looking forward to that too. I look forward to finding that person. Shots, thanks for thanks for being a part of this with us. Thanks for for engaging the conversation. And uh, hey, thank you for listening to Out of Curiosity. Have a great day.
1: Thank you for listening to Out of Curiosity as we discussed how Christians should respond to the immigrant crisis. We encourage you to look into this even more in Scripture in Exodus twenty-two twenty-one through twenty-three twelve, and 1 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4. We also recommend the book Christians at the Border by M. Daniel Carroll R. If you want to send in a question or contact us, go to OOCuriosity.com and follow us on Instagram at OOCuriosity. Be sure to subscribe to keep up with future episodes.